0: Talk Radio.
1: Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. My name is Dr. Angela Loria. I am the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of the Difference Process: Ten Steps for Writing a Book That Makes a Difference. And each week on Book Journeys Radio, we talk to authors about their experience writing their books and really get a handle on what it takes to become a published author, what I what I call a, a, an author who has, has transformed. You guys are all authors in, in transformation, and the people that are on the other side of that journey have so much to offer. Everybody's book journey is unique, but we can all learn from people who have been there before. And today on the show, we have Nancy Ola. Nancy is an author and a chef, so we're going to... Uh, Give you what your appetite a little bit today. Um, Her book is called "Fool a Carnivore: Meaty Main Dishes Minus the Meat," and you can uh, follow along as we talk to Nancy at foolacarnivore.com. That's fool f o o l a carnivore dot com. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Angela.
1: Terrific. Well. So, Nancy, tell us about Full of Carnivore. What is it about? I know it's a cookbook, uh, and, and I haven't tried any of the recipes
0: yet, though so I am uh, staring at them right now. So tell us about the book. Oh, wonderful. Full of Carnivore is a cookbook that helps meat lovers enjoy tasty, meatless meals. Um, I decided to stop eating meat over 30 years ago, and the meals I make almost every night Please my carnivore family and friends. I, I cook about five nights a week and I really believe in um not having to compromise my principles, but still being respectful of the fact that uh I may have folks that enjoy eating meat. So the so it's difference It's not all pasta is, primavera at your house. It's not all pasta primavera <laughs> and uh my book has no tofu either. So I think meat eaters want to eat food that looks and tastes like what they're used to eating. And there's some terrific products out there right now called meat, that I've coined called meat analogs. Um, a number of great companies have done sausage and ground meat and chicken and uh, turkey products that really can fool meat eaters if they're prepared in the right way and with great sauces and a lot of creativity. So
1: let me ask why. I mean, on this show, we focus on people who want to make a difference with their books. And um, let me ask, why Meatless? Why was that important to you? I know it's been a a long journey for you, but what's what's your message there?
0: Well, you know, I I think that people... It it, it pleases me no end to have someone say to me that they were able to fool a family member um, into uh, enjoying a dish that was healthier for them, lower in calories, lower in cholesterol. You know, many people are struggling with weight, high cholesterol, and other health problems. And going meatless one or two nights a week could be a potential answer for them to help get their diets back in check.
1: And was that a journey that you went on personally?
0: Um, My dad died when I was 19 years old, and he had very high cholesterol. He was 47, um, you know, kind of a a waste for a man that young to die of a heart attack. Uh, I decided at that point that... Heart disease and stroke ran in my father's family. And though I had some protection as a woman, um, that probably wasn't enough to necessarily keep me thriving until my 80s. So I decided to go ahead and stop eating meat and um, felt that if I could change just, you know, one life at a time, that was was enough for me. So I I married a wonderful... Southern Carnivore, who uh, luckily was very open to new things and uh, new food. And my husband has willingly eaten every single thing I've put on his plate since the day we were married 30 years ago.
1: Ah, that's a keeper. He is a
0: keeper.
1: So the book came out, I think, in 2010, right?
0: In August of 2010, yes, August or 20, of 2010.
1: 2012. Oh, 2012. 2012 okay. Last. So, but that's yeah, a long story. That was, I don't know, 28, 29 years of being a vegetarian um, and making these uh, meaty
0: main dishes.
1: What inspired writing books? book? How did that come
0: about? Well, you know, I had been compiling my recipes for about seven years before I actually committed the process of creating the manuscript and, and thinking seriously about um, having a book. W- what kind of came together for me was back in December of 2010. When I was at a, a covered dish supper and realized that my homemade lasagna was the hit of the evening, and it had a meat substitute sausage and ground meat in it. It was very meaty, it had a wonderful homemade sauce, and it was the first item on the buffet table to disappear and All night long, mm. people kept asking me for my recipe, and finally, I told them that it had no meat in it and People who claimed to hate vegetarian food had eaten it and loved it. And so that was when I finally realized that my cookbook wasn't just, the cookbook in my head wasn't just for vegetarians. Its real purpose was to help meat eaters um, accept and enjoy meatless meals. Mm
1: -hmm. And what was your, I know you say you're an author and a chef, um, what was your career path at the time? Was the book related to something you were doing from a business perspective or was this just a pure um, passion project?
0: Oh, it's, I've been uh, cooking since I was eight years old. I loved uh, Julia Child. I used to watch all her French chef recipes or uh, uh, shows religiously on our little black and white television when I was a kid. And uh, I have always loved feeding other people. I uh, have an Italian mother, so the Italian background always wants you to manja, and uh, we, show, we show our love through food. Um, but in terms of my career path, I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for 35 years, and that's probably one of the reasons why it was harder for me to allocate the time to write a book.
1: Wow. So let's start there. Tell us about writing the book and how with a busy career like that did you make time to do this?
0: Well, I I finally decided that I needed to get serious about it. And I, you know, a lot of people uh, think of of lawyers as just the, you know, the mouthpieces we're talking all the time. But actually in my uh, practice, I'm not a litigator. I do real estate and business law. And so I'm constantly writing. Um, I'm drafting contracts, agreements, memos, letters, um, covenants, restrictions, all kinds of things for my clients. And I can't ever have writer's block or let my work not get done because then I'm not going to be properly serving my clients. So once I decided to get serious about the book, I just transferred that same discipline that I would learned as a lawyer to my cookbook writing, I, I made sure that I set aside at least two to three hours every day to work on it, and some of them might some of that time might be perfecting old recipes, some of it might be um, you know doing the uh, sections of the book that precede the recipe the recipes that more explain what my philosophy is and uh, how to use the book, and a lot of it was also tasting every new meatless product I could find against what I'd already used in the past. So my recipes may have gone through four or five incarnations uh, as I continually searched for a better product and a one that would more closely replicate meat.
1: And so does that mean you got to... Um consider cooking as part of the time that you spent on your book? That
0: sounds fun. Well, it, it, it was fun, but it actually is part of the time that I was spent on my book because cook, cooking and then um, taking photographs of the recipe and making sure that I was paying careful attention to my uh, ingredient list, making sure that I wasn't leaving out a step in writing my instructions – what I, I've i learned from a lot of other recipes, because I've probably had 500 cookbooks, is that a lot of times authors can get sloppy in terms of the way they describe the process of cooking. Because cooking, most recipes go one, two, three, four, five, but cooking is also a nonlinear process. So there are multiple things that you may be, doing at the same time, but a traditionally written recipe doesn't always lend itself to that explanation.
1: And so how did you address that?
0: Well, I I wanted to make sure that I was giving things in a clear fashion that would be almost like pilot's instructions. I want someone to pick up my cookbook and be able to cook any of the dishes I have in there and have a great result the first time. And so I've tried to put kind of a little bit of a homey and folksy flavor to my my book. I I want you to feel as though you're almost sitting across the kitchen table with me and I'm I'm sharing or confiding my secrets for how I've been able to get Products that aren't meat, plant-based protein to look mm-hmm. and taste like meat. Yeah, and I will say the cover.
1: The cover has pictures of four dishes that there's no way I would not know. I, I, I would never guess that they weren't real meat. So, and I can practically smell them on the page. They look so delicious.
0: <laughs> so,
1: well, um, so tell me for you. When you were writing this book, you got this idea, I'm going to turn this into a book, then you got serious. Here's my question. Why were you doing it? What, what did you think success was? Were you trying to be the next Julia Child? Like what, what did you
0: want to get out of the experience? I guess actually seeing my book in print to see – a goal that I'd had for so long finally realized um, was, was my end. Um, and finding that, um, you know, the, the actual marketing of a book is so much more complicated and time-consuming than the process of writing it. You know, I, I know most authors think that the writing is the hard part, but there you have control over the outcome. And once you let your book go into the world, um, you no longer have control over whether or not it's going to find its audience. So I I always felt that even if I never made a dime from the book, the fact that I was actually writing it and being able to go ahead and express my thoughts about a subject that I'd um, long felt was an important one um was the selling to me, wow,
1: and did you get more than your bargain for? Have the results been you know i mean having it published and in, in your hand is one thing? Have you been able to make an impact with the book
0: well you know i I would love to have more book sales, what author wouldn't, but yeah, I also Please that. The, the, the people that I have touched have responded so positively. You know, I've got seven five-star reviews on Amazon. I've got um, folks who email me and write me about what a difference the book has made in their lives. I have a, a friend who's lost 40 pounds just cooking um, without meat. So wow. that's fabulous to me yeah that is super fabulous. And I
1: think that when we get really clear on what we want from our books and set the kind of goals that you set, we often get you know more than we bargain for. we get more um, because we're open to whatever is coming. so um, so what do you what do you wish that you knew? if you had to do this all over again? and you had all the knowledge you have today, but you're starting your book now, what would you do differently?
0: I think I might have worked harder to find a traditional publisher rather than going the self-published route. And I would have invested the additional time to have a Full color book with photographs of every recipe, so that the um, idea that you know I can't I can't visualize I can't see what every single recipe looks like wouldn't be an issue. What I've tried to do as a uh, in in an in interim step until book number two comes out is to make sure that I have photographs of almost every recipe on my website or on Pinterest so that people can, in fact, see what that lasagna looked like uh, that fooled my friends, um, even if I wasn't able to put a full-color picture uh, in the book of it. I see.
1: And and uh, you mentioned you're using Pinterest? Yes. Is that the... The social media platform so that's interesting how how did you uh were you active in social media before your book came out or was that a skill that you discovered
0: after and how did you pick pinterest um well uh pinterest is just just one of the platforms probably the only social media that i was active in was linkedin um Mm. and that was primarily because um as an attorney as a business professional uh, LinkedIn seemed to me to be the most fruitful source of making connections. Um, I had to be kind of dragged kicking and screaming to Twitter and Pinterest and um, uh, Facebook. Uh, I personally don't have uh, a Facebook page just for myself as an individual, but I had to get one for full Carnivore.
1: And and who dragged you kicking and screaming? How did you come to learn about it?
0: Oh, I, I had uh, a few good friends who helped me a great deal. Uh, one of them is uh, Gina Elliott, and she's been uh, very instrumental in, in helping me and advising me along the way. Hmm. And so let's talk about that. What? Let's, uh, you know, let's talk about... The
1: help that you need as an author, whether it's with writing, promoting, or publishing, how, how did you get the help that you had? And then what would you
0: advise other people to do to get that help and support? I guess I would say to not be afraid to reach out and identify what you do well and what you don't do as well and get assistance in the things that may be challenging for you. Um, I did not have an agent. I tried to get a couple of agents interested in my concept, um, but I ultimately figured out how to get it published myself. Um, I looked at a number of different um, self-publishing options and um, finally decided to go with CreateSpace. I was also very blessed to have uh, some help from Deborah Madison, who's one of my culinary heroes. Uh, She was kind enough to respond to a random email that I sent to her website and uh, entered into an email dialogue with me and agreed to consult with me on the book. So I was able to get some editing assistance from a well-respected professional chef who at the beginning of this whole process didn't know me from Adam.
1: Wow. That's a great example. And one of the things I think successful authors know is a couple things that I just want to point out here and and jump in if you think I don't get these right. The first thing is before your book was done, you were open to talking about it. And I think a lot of people get, sometimes people get afraid that, that someone's going to steal their idea um, which I think is a silly fear, but a lot of people have it. Some people are afraid they're going to sound stupid or they don't know enough yet. They have more work to do before they can share it. Um, but I think when you're open, you can make some amazing connections. And not only that, the second little benefit is you're suddenly holding yourself accountable in a way that you weren't before. You told this, like, top chef you were going to write this book, so you had to dive in there and write it and publish it and do all those steps. So um, I don't know about did sharing the fact you were working on this and at various stages did that
0: help you stay motivated? It did. It 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 very much helped me stay motivated. I set some timelines and some goals for myself in terms of when I was going to have it published. Um, I had a whole slew of people who were taste-testing recipes. I would send Mm. out various versions to um, friends who were open to, um, you know, doing more than just an occasional Meatless Monday and getting their feedback about what worked and what didn't. Uh, I threw uh, a number of very large parties and uh, successfully – uh, fooled a number of people into thinking that they were eating meat, and in fact, wow, I had a long-time fun. friend. I had a long-time friend um, say on New Year's Day um, this year that he never thought he would be eating meat in Nancy Ola's house. So that was that was cool because that he the wasn't eating meat in your house, and he wasn't eating meat in my house.
1: Wow! Wow! That's awesome. So, um, so you wrote your book. The process of assembling all these. There's there's a lot of front material where you give us a lot of background, uh, and then there's how many recipes are in here? About hundred, I think. Got to be. I was going to say there's got to be about hundred. So get about hundred recipes, and then there's a little bit. Uh, there's um, you know an index that probably took a while. Some work cited. Um, there's a lot of descriptive copy around the recipes. So how long was the process of actually getting the manuscript finalized?
0: I would say that was about six or seven months of, of pretty consistent work. When you were um, on the yeah. book. Yes. And the book, the book went through um, actually three or four edits uh, I had a friend of mine who is an English professor up in uh, Pennsylvania do one edit. I had uh, an edit from CreateSpace. Uh, Deborah Madison helped me with some of the editing. And uh, then I had another friend help me as well. So it it I had input from a lot of people, and that was um, very beneficial. I didn't take everyone's editing suggestions because ultimately it was my book. But I did learn from each of their um, comments and was so glad that I had them as a resource. Yeah,
1: I love that. So let's talk about good advice, bad advice, and maybe even something in between, good advice you don't want to take. Uh, How did you know what advice
0: to listen to and what advice to ignore? Well, I think that ultimately comes down to, at the end of the day, your name is on the the manuscript and your name's on the finished book. So, you have to have that independent judgment and conviction of what feels true and authentic to you. Um, there were some pieces of advice that you know may have been hard to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. And I really tried to open my mind so that I could understand the person's perspective and take the best of what they had to offer, but ultimately it still had to be my choice. Right. And um, did you get
1: advice that conflicted with each other? Like one person would say one thing and somebody else would say something else and they were at odds? In,
0: in, in a, a few cases, um, you know, we had a lot of... Uh, Controversy over m dashes and m dashes, which uh, oh, I've had that was, like, conversation. way above above my pay grade
1: <laughs> and well yeah, and so how did you what was your tiebreaker? How did you make the decisions about what was what you were going to go with
0: Oh, I, I guess in in every case it was it was a little bit different. I mean, um, you know there were there were some things where do you actually spell out tablespoon? Do you do a TBS? Um, right. And I tried to go with what made the what made the most sense to me. Um, so that's that's the best I can say. That's fantastic. And, and the important thing for me was to be consistent. And mm. I mean, I can pull up cookbooks that are. You know, uh, uh, well-made cookbooks from major publishing houses that have typos and errors and inconsistencies in oh, okay. them, and it absolutely drives me crazy. So, one of the things that was important to me was to try to get the book as close to being—I don't like to use the word perfect—but the best work product that I could do before I gave birth to it. And then let's talk about the publishing process a little.
1: Did you uh, did you you said you self published, but did you did. attempt to publish with a bigger publisher?
0: No, actually I didn't. After I wasn't able to interest an agent in my concept, um, I immediately started looking at uh, the various um, self published publishing options like Lulu and iUniverse and. Uh, Author House and CreateSpace. And I ultimately decided to go with CreateSpace because of its connection to Amazon. And how has that experience been for you? Um, I love the concept of print on demand, uh, and I like the easy connection to Amazon and Kindle. I, I have to be honest that I was not as pleased with the design concepts. Uh, that I received from CreateSpace, I ultimately had to redo and redesign the cover myself because they just did not get my concept. Um, I also was concerned because errors kept creeping into each one of the proofs that I would receive, and they wouldn't have been in my original manuscript. So having to proofread the book in three different proofs Three times was um, kind of an unnecessarily time-consuming process.
1: Yeah, and I will say I've heard I've heard that sort of experience before. So, what would you give advice to people to avoid that? What would you What would you do differently?
0: You know, that's a really good question. I, I, I probably would have more seriously investigated. Some of the other publishing houses, and tried to get author feedback. Um, Mm.
1: People that I would
0: great piece of advice: talk to people that use this service provider for sure. Right, and and I I don't know how much experience the editors I was working with had with cookbooks. So if I was writing a children's book, a cookbook, uh, a novel, I, I might try to target a company. That was very familiar with doing that type of work,
1: hmm.
0: okay, and so
1: um, so mixed you know mixed bag of experience there, but the book comes out, and just throughout the process from the time you started writing your book and then through the publishing, and then in the last year or two that you've been uh, marketing the book, what was different than you expected like how did you
0: expect things to go and then you're like oh i didn't expect this well i I think i didn't expect that it would take so long to build an audience i think that everyone who publishes the book believes that the world's waiting for their book um they know how much time and effort and love they've put into it and to not have the world embrace it with open arms is is a little bit of an eye-opening experience. Um, but I feel very good and very positive about what I've done with the book. Um, I have nine videos on YouTube of me cooking some of the recipes in the book. I never would have had that experience if I wasn't trying to get the word out and promote the book. So the book has tested me and made me grow in ways that I never could have imagined at the outset. I love that. What's the best thing to come out of being an author? For me, the the, the best thing has been, um, are you familiar with the old uh, 1960s movie, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Yes, of course. Um, it was with Katherine Hepburn and Sidney Poitier. And, um, I, I've often felt that there are, of millions of vegetarians out there who don't get dinner invitations or when Mm. people do invite them, there's this awkwardness because no one has any idea what to serve them. And so, okay, you can have the salad course and I'm going to put three vegetables on your plate and hope that you like dessert. So Mm. if my book can do one thing, it would be to make people receptive about having um, folks who might have different uh, dietary persuasions over to dinner because if you've got a Carnivore, you can actually cook for them, something that will please them and your family. I love it. That's a great story. Well, Nancy Ola is the author of Fool a Carnivore.
1: You can absolutely find her book on Amazon.com, and you can also go to FulaCarnivore.com. Nancy, thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you, Angela.
1: And we'll be back next week on Book Journeys Radio where we change the world one book at a time.